0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. This doesn't happen for me every day, preaching or teaching or sermoning, whatever this is. But thank you, Bernie. Um, I I'm going to talk to you about worship. I just thought of seven things that happen when we worship, and um, I will say that I have, as God would plan it, led worship my whole life, since I was 11 years old. Since the minute I I could play three chords, I, I've been going at it. And um, there was times in my relationship with my father, as I was planning to be a musician, and he was hoping that I would have a future (laughs) that weren't always super encouraging. But my dad is now 92 years old. My mom went on to heaven, and he had a memory care facility. He still knows who I am, but he struggles with his memory. So he'll ask me, well, what are you doing with your life, with your time? You know, he doesn't know. And um, I'm like, well, Dad, I'm I'm leading worship. He says, well, if you're leading people in worship, you're doing a good work. I'm like, oh, thanks, Dad. Been waiting to hear that for a lot of time, long time. And then about two minutes later, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) Well, I'm, Dad, I'm leading people in worship. Well, if you're leading people in worship, <laughs> you're doing a good work. And I can't tell you, we laugh about it, but to have the, the blessing of a father believing that what you're doing uh, matters isn't as important is really, really awesome. And, and I'm just so glad about it because I have literally given my whole entire life to it. But I do believe that learning how to worship God and express worship to him inwardly and outwardly, is life-transforming and God-honoring. So we're going to start with the first thing, and I'm going to kind of just walk through my life real quick as we walk through these seven points. And when I was um, a little kid, my earliest memories is my mom had a baby grand piano, and I would fall asleep under the grand piano as she was playing and singing the hymns. And at times, my family would gather around and sing these hymns, and you know, I don't know—I didn't know why I felt so safe and happy falling asleep to the hymns. But I later realized what was happening was the gospel, the truth, God's truth, was being planted deep in this little five-year-old soul as I was hearing uh, those songs going through. And if you put that up, Colossians three sixteen says the. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And you know, we forget, but in fact, I, I realize this when I've gone, gone to, to Israel on trips there. Like, like... When these letters and when Paul was writing these letters and the New Testament was being written, there was no New Testament. <laughs> and people, were, a lot of people were illiterate. They couldn't read, so the gospel was communicated orally. They weren't reading it. And also, it was learned through song. And that's why he sang there with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so when we gather in this place... When we sing these songs, the truth of God is being declared and trance and birthed and put into our hearts, just like the little five-year-old kid under the piano, over and over again. You know, some people get mad. Why are those, those worship songs are so repetitive? Why you keep repeating it? It's because you keep forgetting the truth. <laughs> and um, we, we sing, um, right, holy, 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 Lord God, I mean, people are complaining about the worship song so repetitive today. I was like, well, you're going to have problems in heaven because forever we're going to sing, worthy is the lamb, <laughs> 24-7. But because it's over and over again changing our lives, because the enemy of your soul is a liar. And we, we preach it. It's a preachy thing to say. The devil is a liar. But for real, he is a liar, and he's constantly spewing Untruth and lies into your soul that you'll believe, so that you will give up, so that you will sin, so that you will grow astray, so that you will destroy your life. But we come here and we declare, No, he is good, he is faithful, he is worth following. Oh, yes, the truth. Okay, and the and the and our cultures trying to talk us out of it, don't believe it, it's not true, don't believe it, it's not true. But there's something. Beyond what I can describe to you, that when you let it come out of your mouth and declare it, you're declaring it over your life. You're declaring it to the person next to you. You're declaring it to the Lord what is true about him. And it's life transforming. And by the way, sometimes when you feel like not worshiping and not coming to church, don't just come to get your worship. Come and worship so that the person next to you can hear the truth through your life. Somebody says amen right there. Okay. (laughs) All right. Point number one, the truth. And by the way, over 200 times in the Bible, it says to sing to the Lord. And I believe this is true. That's part of it is we can declare what's true through song. So then I grew up a little bit more and I was, when I was 11 years old, the Jesus movement hit, which was a true revival and um, I was the youngest hippie, but I was there. In fact, I'd always get mad because I was just this little little boy, and I had long hair, and everybody thought I was a girl. It made me really mad. But anyways. <laughs> In fact, I had this, uh, this is embarrassing, but whatever you call having a girlfriend when you're 11 years old. I had this sort of little girlfriend when I was 10, 11 years old, and, and for the first year, her mom thought I was just one of her girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> She's she's liked me. She I was fine. Anyway, can't believe I confessed that to you. <laughs> Anyways, um, so all of a sudden, and and I, and um, all of a sudden, my siblings and all their hippie friends, their lives were being changed. And I can remember being in these meetings, and the the songs were real simple, and we would just sing, "Hallelujah, Hallelujah," right. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden you'd see these these people weeping. It's like, "Why are they weeping? What's wrong with them?" You know? And then you would you'd start to get it. I get it. I am watching this hippie over here having a relationship with a living God in the moment. Like right now I'm watching it. It's not they're just They're not just talking about God or giving information. No, they are communing with God right now in front of me through the work of the cross, through the message of the gospel. So I like to say worship is the gospel in motion. It's the other reason you come here and you express worship because you communicate the gospel. You say, look, everybody, you can have this relationship with Jesus too. It's for you too. And so evangelism happens when we worship God. And um, two verses I love. Psalms 96, verse 3, Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. And this is my life verse. I think everybody should have a life Bible verse. Psalm 40, verse 3, Put a new song in my mouth, hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord when they see these worshipers. So don't hide your worship. And don't assume that, that a non-believer cannot understand, I believe, worship. In Ecclesiastes, in fact, this is the song of the week song that's up we put up Thursday, speaks from that verse in Ecclesiastes that God has said eternity in the hearts of man. Everybody has a longing and a knowing that there's something beyond what we can see, that there is. An eternity, and I, and everyone was ultimately created to give glory to their Creator, to give worship to Him, and so there's there's an inner knowing in them when we when we evangelize through worship every Sunday morning, and I've seen it happen. So, evangelism number three: spiritual warfare. So then, I am walking through. So now I'm 20 years old, and I go to Bible school in. Dallas, Texas, Christ for the Nations. It was a wonderful experience for me. It's pretty Pentecostal place, and they definitely believe believe me. They believed in spiritual warfare, and they they found a lot of demons all over the place constantly. But they did teach me that worship is a weapon. And um, uh, we can read this verse: Samuel seventeen five. David said to the Philistine, "You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you." In the name of the Lord Almighty. And I was told that there was a thing back in the, the ancient battles called boasting. So this is really strange to me, but like the, the one uh, one group would be over here all lined up, and then the other groups lined up over here, and then the two leaders would come to the center of the field and just trash talk each other for a while <laughs> before they started. And so this is David trash-talking Goliath, saying, yeah, you're coming against me. You know, I know you're eight feet tall and all this stuff going on, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, because guess who's on my side? The Lord God Almighty, the King of kings, is on my side. And when we worship, it goes really back to the truth thing. We We remind ourselves who is on our side, and we declare that over our lives. And and um, in fact, you guys, I heard you just finished a whole series on anxiety, is that right? And uh, we just did that series at at our church, Christian Assembly, and actually my brother, who's a pastor in New Mexico, just started the series, because when we announced that we're going to talk about anxiety, the church filled up because everybody's so anxious, including the youth and the younger people, everybody's stressed out that they don't have as many likes on their social media, I don't know what everyone's stressed out about, but it's a serious problem. And, and worship, this is a way God can fight your battle for you. If you're, if you're really worried about something today and very anxious, if I just come to you and say, hey, get over it. What's wrong with you? Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. You're just going to be mad at me. But if you'll make that choice in the midst of the struggle seen this in my life over and over again. Sometimes I just know God's telling me, Tommy, stop and worship right now. (laughs) And start, and it's important, I believe, it needs to come out of your mouth. And that's why it's important to raise our hands and bow and get our body into alignment with the truth as well as our, our spirit and our soul. And start declaring the truth once again. We fill our mind with what's right and what's true about God, and he fights that anxiety battle for us, and it's a mighty weapon. There's also examples in the Bible that that battle of uh, Jehoshaphat. I don't know if you have heard that story, but they put the musicians and the singers at the front of the battle line, and I can imagine what the other other team thought. What are they doing with these uh, little skinny musicians in the front here? And it was so confusing, they ended up killing each other. And I believe worship confuses the plans of the enemy in our life. And uh, Paul and Silas in the prison, what happened? They were in chains, and they were worshiping, and there was a great earthquake, and they were freed. And in the process, the jailer got saved. Talk about uh, spiritual warfare. Before Jesus went to the cross, uh, they, they sang a hymn together, right? Like, can you imagine? I mean, that's a way Jesus modeled to us, I need Father, I need courage, I need to do this. Let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. I need to worship. And even Jesus worshiped, saying a hymn. don't underestimate the power, the spiritual uh, weapon of worship. Amen? You know, when you're a rookie, you know, speaker, I need a little encouragement. <laughs> um, after I um, got out of Bible school, I did some missions trips, and I came home from a mission trip, and I was just, um, for whatever reason, just in one of those. felt like God was a million miles away from me, and I I was house-sitting a house for my brother, who was a real estate agent, so I was living alone for a little while, and somebody gave me the devotional book, the Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Anybody ever heard of that? Anybody? And at the end of every chapter, there's a prayer, an intimate prayer, and I just got on my knees every night and prayed those prayers, and the manifest presence of God was so unbelievably powerful. And one, the next thing that happens is intimacy. That's our next point. We learn intimacy through worship. Worship Helps us go beyond knowing about God to knowing God. And Psalms 25.14 says, Friendship with the Lord is with those who fear him, or you could say reverence him, or you could say worship him. To them he tells the secrets of his covenant. Have you ever been in worship and you just felt the Spirit of God just whispering something to you? With you. I'm not gonna leave you. It says in Romans 8:16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Have you ever had that sense that he's speaking it to you? "Ah, you're my child, you're mine, I'm with you. And it's kind of like the insider information as a worshiper, those secrets of his covenant. It's just so beautiful, it's so awesome. What can happen? and worship is one of the most beautiful ways we can express our love to Jesus it says to love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul he doesn't he wants you to love him not just follow him and do the right things but from your heart love him and follow him uh, and worship is a, is a way, you know, you heard the story, you know, that the wife says, honey, you, you never tell me you love me. And he says, well, I told you at our wedding, right? Right? You guys did that. And um, <clears throat> we're to have a love relationship, ongoing, intimate with Jesus. Have you ever met a Christian and you just look at them, you're like, wow. You just know it. Like they are just constantly talking to Jesus. They have an intimate, ongoing relationship with Jesus. And I can guarantee those people, those Christians know how to worship. All right, number, whatever I'm on, the next one, awe and wonder. I wonder. It's <laughs> a pretty good joke. Okay. <clears throat> one of the saddest things that can happen. A Christian is when they, I call it, when they lose the oohs and the ahs, when they lose the sense of wonder. They kind of become bored with God. And, and um, I believe when you lose it, you know, because we have this something within us that, that just wants to keep shrinking God down smaller and smaller and smaller so that we can understand Him and kind of control Him and we come, become very unimpressed with Him. And I believe when you become unimpressed With the beauty and glory and awesomeness of God, you will stray away, even if just internally. And I love this verse, Jeremiah 32, 17. It says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. And I'm not a, I don't know Hebrew and Greek and all that. So maybe this word awe here probably just means "ah, I'm in awe of you, you're awesome. Like that. But I like the fact that the word awe is just ah, oh, right? It's kind of like speechless, right? Or oh, it's kind of like hallelujah. It's kind of beyond, I don't have words, right? And um, how many, we, we sang a song that was about this last night in the light of your glory and love now that i've had a glimpse again of of your beauty and your glory how awesome you are oh everything else doesn't matter again and i sometimes i call worship is kind of like the big oh yeah i forgot how good you are how big you are how much you love me oh yes and without worship without that intimate worship we lose that uh our christianity becomes becomes informational and And we, again, we shrink them down. Worship makes us like children again, just like living in the wonder, like, wow, I wonder. And don't, you know, we want to understand everything. But a worshiping heart kind of enjoys the fact that we can't understand everything. Just kind of bask in the, wow, yeah, I'll never get it all. Isn't that great? (laughs) That's a worshiping heart, and that's what worship gives you. You know, as I speak here, I just keep thinking: if this sermon's really bad, I'll just bring Linda back out, and it'll all be good. <laughs> Not to mention, I got some, I got some serious weapons here today, so it's all going to be good. Anyways, I my uh, I have three brothers, and at different times in their life, my three brothers were all pastors, and my dad is a retired pastor. So I have I have certainly been around this, and uh, been so grateful to to be a part of it but I've never been the the talker talker guy <laughs> anyways I'm not it's okay but if you could say every amen every no it's okay, it's okay no so then um then uh I got older and got to marry my beautiful wife Robin raise your hand there and um wait a minute did I skip something no, I'm good. Okay. And um, that's when really my Christian assembly life started. And uh, we were, I went to this, I moved to, well, I'll tell you that later. But anyways, when I went to my current church, which I've been there 30 years now, uh, it's amazing. I can remember my, my parents talking when I was a kid about, you yeah, know, 30 years ago. And I was like, what? And now I'm saying it, 30 years ago. And before Christian Assembly and my beloved Pastor Mark Pickrell, I thought the most spiritual act you could ever do as a Christian, period, is to be in your prayer closet praying. And that is certainly for sure very important and must be a part of our lives. But I feel like Mark Pickerel's life message is, I don't care if you're in your prayer closet all day long, if you don't know how to love me and forgive me and live in unity with me, your prayer closet doesn't matter. And that's basically Corinthians 13, right? You can prophesy and do whatever the heck you want to do, but if you can't love, you're just a clanging cymbal. And, um, And so I learned... I learned, and and by the way, you know, being in a prayer closet is way easier than forgiving someone who's offended you greatly, right? Forgiving, and you know what? We should be the greatest forgivers in the world because guess who we're following, right? The Forgiver. <laughs> and so, no wonder Mark keeps talking about that. And by the way, whoever your pastor is, of course, Bernie's your pastor. Whatever sermon he preaches, these pastors preach. There's always a stream, a life message. I love it in all of them that you'll find in there. And Mark's always telling us we've got to love each other. And I've discovered that um, worship brings unity in a very almost beyond comprehension way. And Jesus said, you can put it up if you want, John 17, I'm not even going to read it, but if we've ever needed unity, wouldn't it be now when you think of the political climate? and But it's always been true. And if Christians would would not fight on Facebook, I think that should be against the law. Christians should only bless one another on Facebook. And if they could know and see our love, they would know Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the the Lord. And um but when we gather and we worship and we clap at the same time and we sing the same melody and we declare the same words all at the same time, there's something in the Spirit that brings unity. I remember the Promise Keeper days and I'd be in those big stadiums and the guy groups, guys, and they'd have their the name of their church banner there and you'd have all these different denominations there and then we'd have a stadium full of guys singing Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. It was like Unity. It was unbelievable. It was so beautiful. And um, in fact, I have to tell this little story. When do I? Have, when is this over? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Never tell a preacher that. Okay. That's one thing I learned from my brothers and my dad. No. Yeah. Have you ever been? You know, hear a preacher and he's just going forever. And he says, you know, I'm almost done. And then somebody shouts out, no, keep going. And everybody else is like, no, don't tell him to keep going. <laughs> Please let this guy end it. But one of my great unity moments I'll never forget. I was Jack Hayford called me and said, you want to lead worship for 4,000 four-square leaders in Jerusalem? And I said, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> and I took a team, and Linda was with me. And we were at the garden tomb, at the empty tomb there where Jesus raised from the dead, and Linda goes in there, and we're in there with the, our worship team, and she starts singing, I know that my Redeemer lives, and she's singing this, this resurrection hymn in there, and we're just all just blowing our mind, blessed. But then we look out, the, the you know, because the stone was rolled away, right? So we could see outside, <laughs> and there's all these believers from the nations. They didn't even all speak English, and they were all gathered around hearing the sound of this resurrection song. I'm telling you, I wish, I wish you could have been there with me. But it wasn't just a presence of God moment only. It was like the Spirit audibly said, the Spirit of Christ is a spirit of unity, a spirit of unity and love, not of competition. And... um not of division, but of unity and love. And not only did I love Jesus more and believe Jesus more in that moment, but instantly in that worship experience, I loved the people I was with more. My team, I just had such a love for them that we got to experience Jesus together. And then all these Christians from the nations, I was like, I love you. (laughs) And it was worship that brought that unity like few things can bring another great reason to worship. And lastly, endurance. As I as I grow older, um I don't know if somebody can tell the team to come. They didn't come last time, but team, come. Okay. <laughs> um yes, you can you can appear. Okay. As I grow older in the faith, you know, uh, uh, um, Bernie was saying that's the difference between Linda and Eileen. Is Linda, Eileen is, God is raising her up, and she's, to me, she's so anointed and powerful. But you can hear some of the pain Linda's been through as she sings that God has brought her through. And it's no joke that Nehemiah verse, it says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is no joke. We must. Have joy. I've heard it said, joy is the motor of the Christian life. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, just like long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. And you need to make choices to have joy. And, um, and I, I love the, the verse. I'll just do this one last verse, Hebrews 12, to, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And worship, in a sense, sets him before us. Sets him before our eyes and our focus. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can endure. When we see who he is and what he's done for us and where we're headed, we can, we can go another day. You know, it's like the tortoise and the hare. And the, the, the tortoise was so slow, but, he, man, he was focused, and he was just going that way and the tortoise was going every which way we can stay focused on him and worship sets us before us and the finish line that's before us, we're going to get there because we have our eyes set on him as, he, as we worship he's set before us. Amen? Amen. Can, should we end with a song? All right. Well, last night was... It was such a wonderful, beautiful, night—emotional night for me—walking through 30 years of writing songs and being and learning and growing with Jesus. But um, this has been a uh, for my wife and I. It's a forward season. Um, a lot of things changed. I my role changed at church and uh, the Tommy Walker Ministries. We completely dove into that and by the way carlos and brian especially are working on that stuff so much it's so awesome thank you guys and we got a grandbaby on the way all kinds of new things but going forward take steps of faith and um and I just believe also as we fix our eyes on Jesus, He doesn't want you to stay where you're at and stay in your ruts, but our relationship with Him, with the living God, is ever going forward. So as we leave here today, I want you to get this in your spirit, that God has new horizons yet unseen. No matter how old you are, no matter who you are, God is not stuck in a rut. A rut. He's he's the ancient of days, but he made a new day just now today. He loves the new and he wants to bring new things to you. Man. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.